Mozilla's got to do something that isn't Firefox. And that's the other thing that everybody complains about, which is they don't, uh, not enough devs on Firefox or whatever. But I mean, like what features are they trying to implement? What, what, what fixes are they trying to fix right now that aren't getting fixed in a timely manner? Um, and what features would you have them put in there besides being more like Chrome? And that's exactly what I don't want. So Yeah, and they've already made some moves in that direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The whole um, Manifest V3 stuff. But I I have a lot of respect that they're going to do their own thing and just implement what they think is fair. Yeah, it sounds like they're doing it at least with a sane approach. I mean, what, are, what, are their, what is their market share? Like, like a whole 5%? Even though it's number two. Well... <laughs> Does everything show up as Chromium, Brave, Vivaldi, Edge? I think it does in a lot of places. I don't know. There might be ways right. to, to drill down on that, but I don't know if everybody does. Yeah. So is it number two or is it number six? Well, it might be number right. six, but I mean, it's like right. number two that's not Chromium. Okay. Okay. I'll, yes. I'll give you that. there's nothing and else. There is nothing that else. That is the most important thing. And for the love of God, don't go anywhere. Please, please don't. So anyway, um, I got a lot of hot takes on Firefox, man. Sure. Uh, which is definitely not the uh, the mainstream Linux podcast take on Firefox. Coming up in this episode, Leo shows his moxie. Ubuntu falls flat. Watch the browsers. A look back at our season. And Leo moves his files. Hello and welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Dan. And I'm Leo. So Leo, I I see you got your moxie uh, going, buddy. It is going. I don't know how well. Uh, so, so we're talking Proxmox, and uh, it's been a little while, but it has. It's stuck with us yep. through a little transitionary period. Um, last time we were talking about, uh, I was looking into Proxmox. Mm -hmm. I want to get away from uh, VMware, the proprietary solution, and move to a. Uh, a more Linux-based solution, a more open solution, uh, not a free solution if you want everything, right. but a Linux solution nonetheless, uh, and that solution being Proxmox. Right now, I'm using VMware ESXi. I've got another machine that I want to transition to, and this is a perfect time to just uproot everything and make changes if I want to make changes. So I have been, uh, as promised, I have been using Proxmox quite a bit. Um, mostly in, in testing, I'm not using it for anything that, um, my VMware box is still alive. We'll put it that way. Yeah. But so far, Proxmox seems like a winner and I haven't even gone outside of the realm of like what VMware can already do. I'm, I'm just doing that right. in Proxmox and that seems to be on par, if not better. I think the Proxmox interface may be a little more cluttered, a little harder to kind of parse. It can be. I, I found a couple of tricks along the way to make it a little bit easier. Like some of it is like how you have your, your uh, you know, arrangement sorted. 
Um, the default arrangement is server view, right? That's not that's you don't that's not the only choice. No, so there's a little drop down there, and so you have server view, folder view, and pool oh. view. And so, like folder view, I feel like is a little more akin to what you would have in VMware. And that might be okay. what you're, you know, that might be one of the things to help you navigate stuff. Because what that does is it breaks down and for me into my containers and then your nodes, which are your, your host machines, and then virtual machines in your storage. Um, much like the way VMware is sorted out by default, okay. right? When you're looking at that left navigation menu stuff. And so for me, having the containers in one spot and the and the virtual machines in another spot, um, I feel like that's just more natural for me. And yeah, that because that's hard. It's like I, I don't need I, I don't need a storage at the same level as a VM that seems yeah cluttered. It just seems cluttered. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. So when you're and, in, when you're in server view. It, it it breaks it down per node then, right? What's running on each node, which is also handy, right? It's nice to mm -hmm. know if you have multiple nodes, what's running on them. I have I have one. <laughs> yeah, I have one. It doesn't doesn't really break it down the same. So um it, it just doesn't look the same, right? It, it, yeah, yeah, folder view is a little better, more natural probably if you're coming from from VMware, I think. Cool. Okay. All right. Something to look into. That might solve one of my problems. Yeah, and it's not even a problem, right? It's just the the process that you're yeah. you're going about things. Sometimes it's a little different. I could definitely get used to it uh, because there's only really one VM that I go in and click on and mm -hmm. do anything with because I need to actually see the GUI. Uh, and the rest of them I SSH into. Yeah, exactly. And so I never actually see them in the Proxmox uh, thing unless they're off. For some reason, I need to turn them on or something. Yeah, or if you want to go see what you know resources it's it's hogging up or something. <laughs> see, and and you know maybe maybe, but if if I treat it the same way that I'm treating VMware now, mm -hmm. I won't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I won't. But because there is one VM that I will go in and interact with, that um, that comes up to the next issue, and it's really not. An issue, but I'm being nitpicky about it. And that is when I log into Proxmox to get into uh, the VM that, I, that I'm dealing with on a GUI. And I choose a light GUI. I go with uh, Mate, Ubuntu Mate on this machine. Um, but I do need a browser in it. Uh, I do need to be able to drag things around. I do some types of file operations in there. Um, so having a performant graphical mm -hmm. interface is, is pretty important to me. Um, and by default, Proxmox uses no VNC, I believe. Yep. And all the VNCs, uh, or you know, just VNC in general, is not extremely performant. Yeah, that's you're, true. If you're dragging a window across the screen, you will see what I mean. It crawls sometimes. You get screen tearing sometimes. Uh, it's just, it's not a smooth experience. Well, it wouldn't be a place I went and watched a YouTube video or something like that, oh. right? That's just not going to happen. But like, I get your, just, just regular drag and drop operations can be a little, little herky jerky sometimes. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And not even VMware 
I can't watch a video. I wouldn't, but I can't. Yeah. I've tr- uh, I've tried only just to see if I could. Um, but not even VMware is that good. Yeah. Uh, but VNC is a few steps behind that. But there's a solution. If you can run Vert Viewer. Yep. So on Linux, well, that's just a Vert Viewer install away. On Windows, you can go to the Vert Viewer website, which is hosted on Red Hat stuff. Yep. Uh, download Vert Viewer, install that. And then uh, in that dropdown, when you're uh, getting a console, uh, you can type or you can choose Spice. It'll open up in Vert Viewer uh, in Windows and it'll work just fine or in Linux uh, as well. Well, um, and I hesitate uh, to really kind of throw this out there, but uh, I use all three platforms all the time. Mm-hmm. And I tend to use uh, this particular VM from all three platforms all the time. I think getting into Proxmox to use a Linux VM GUI absolves me of using Microsoft and Mac OS to do this with. I mean, I, I, I really do live, eat, and breathe Linux, but I have Windows and Mac in my life as well. So You never know where you're going to need it, right? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's SSH most of the time, but when I need a GUI in Linux, this is where I go. Um, and in macOS, uh, there is no vert viewer, or at least no official vert viewer. There are, uh, uh, there are a couple of uh, taps, if you know what Brew is. Yeah, Brew is package manager for Linux um, with a bunch of, it's like the AUR for, for macOS. There are a couple of people that put together vert viewer, but... Uh, yeah, it, it feels like the AUR, and I'm not a huge fan of the AUR. And, and it, it's one update away from being broken, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. right? That's the that's the exactly. macOS way. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so there's no official way to do it. Um, so that means that on macOS, I'm stuck with VNC, which is not a deal breaker. It really isn't a deal breaker. But I would like to have Spice level performance in macOS. Um, and you know, the answer is probably just to suck it up and use the AUR, well, use brew, yeah. which is the Mac OS AUR, right? Um, which is probably what I'll do, but well, I'll tell you what, Leo, I can't deliver the same level of performance, but I can hopefully make it a little better for you and maybe somewhat less painful. Um, okay. one thing I learned was if you use the, the vert GL, uh, display, Instead of the default, which I think is just standard Vert IO um, mm-hmm. GPU, um, the Vert GL, I, I'm sure it's it, it. It may very well depend on the machine you're running it from, because I think you know obviously it's passing some of that stuff through. And and even though you're not using the display on the machine, it's still using like the the video RAM and stuff. So um, depending on how much of that you have available could depend on how performant things can be sometimes. But right. the GL drivers I've found make for smoother video, um, even though it's slightly delayed. It's not like perfect. Um, it doesn't freeze up and stuff. It's it's still, okay. it's, it's just a little slower feeling, but not bad. It, it feels pretty good. And I've done that well, for my laptop. Uh, over wireless and stuff, because that could be a place where even the best, where Spice, if you're using Spice, sometimes that can be a little it slow. Is. Wireless is is not it, the greatest. Oh, for, oh, I see. Yes, for for transferring the video, you know, to the other machine, and no VNC is not bad. It's 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 okay, and since it just runs in a browser window, 
it's very convenient to yeah. not have to install anything, especially when you're on a machine that you're normally not on. You can just, you know, pop open another window and there it is. There's the console and, you yeah. know, a, a video console. So yeah. I've run those in full screen mode. It, it seems pretty good. I don't know. It's not perfect, but it seems pretty good. I know it's a virtual machine, so, you know, I know my yeah. it's a limitation. You're dealing with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I don't always like give everything like as much, you know, RAM and CPU as I would if it was running bare metal for sure. Yeah, so. I think this full GUI desktop uh, that I run quite a bit of, I run Docker in it too. Mm -hmm. Um, it probably has like three gigs of memory out of a sixteen gig, right? Uh, yeah, machine. Yep. So, um, it could probably use more <laughs> more RAM. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm giving them. Uh, I think it's, this one's only got two gig of RAM and like two cores. So, I mean, it's not, you know, it's running LXQ though. So, you know, there's that. Ah, uh, true. See, maybe that, maybe that's, that's something else that I should try is, uh, maybe even a lighter mm -hmm. desktop, uh, to move forward with, which is perfectly fine with me. Um, uh, honestly, the, the biggest reason I chose Mate on that desktop was because it looked a lot like Linux Mint in the way that it, the way that it was. Yeah. Um, that's and fair. that's not a hard requirement either. So um, LXQ might be my next go-to. So Probably not Vert GL. Vert GL. So uh, if you go into the display uh, it, uh, under the hardware on the virtual machine, you go into the display, you click that, you click edit, and then you'll see a whole list of, honestly, a bunch of different uh, graphic card options, if you will. Okay. And so I don't know what the default is. I'd have to look that up, but I think it is just Vert.io. Um, but you'll see, you know, standard VGA, VMware compatible, Spice, a whole bunch of different options there. Right. Serial terminal, you know, all the things you'd expect, right? Um, mm -hmm. And VertGL is another one. There was a package I did have to install on oh. both of my Proxmox nodes in order to get that to work. Okay. Um, and so I did that as well. It tells you, like, when it tries to start, it tells you, oh, hey, you don't have this. You you need it. And so Oh, then if you, it leads me, if it if it drags me through and it, makes me do it, It then was that's like fine. down in the log, right? It says, you know, your VM didn't start kind of thing down there. If you look at the, oh. the tasks and then if you look at the log, it tells you. And I went and installed that and then, boom, I had, uh, you know, GL driver, open GL Beautiful. type thing. And um, that did help a little bit with performance. The other thing cool. that I did was I made sure to install um, like the uh, the guest tools. And so oh. that kind of helps with um, memory management, I'll say. So like it tends to reclaim the memory a little better, I think. And, or at least as far as what it's reporting back into the, the, the GUI of Proxmox. Um, you know, I don't think that sometimes the virtual machine is not actually using all of the RAM that it's reporting mm -hmm. until you install those guest tools and you get the accurate reporting back. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Um, and that helps you, you know, start and stop obviously and do other tasks like backups and whatnot too. I think, I think it helps, it helps do those things as well. So well, cool. I installed That's something the, I'll need to look into. Yeah. So I installed the guest tools. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those are the, those are the tips I got so far. 
Okay. Well, those are definitely stuff. Uh, those are definitely things I'm going to have to do uh, before I make a make an actual decision because uh, staying on VMware is still an option. Sure. Uh, but I, I think my preference would be to get all these little um, issues figured out and move to Proxmox because mm-hmm. it lives on Debian and I love me some Debian. Yeah, and it works really well in my experience. Um, I've done a couple of updates so far, not not branched, you know, not major revisions, but just regular updates. Right, like 7.3 to 7.4, yeah, yeah, not yeah. 7 to, well, 8's not out yet, but yeah. 6 to 7, right? Right, nothing like that yet. Um, so, and those have all gone smooth, so that's good. Cool. All right. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to dive in more to Proxmox. I'm excited to have a simplified view. I'm excited to get... Uh, a little bit more performance out of the the VNC, mm-hmm. and I mean that's that's gonna be fine. But speaking of Proxmox, uh, you've been doing some uh, Proxmox puppeteering in the background more than just turning on VMs, huh? Yeah, I have. So not not quite puppet, but like close Ansible. I've been mm-hmm. been kind of going through some Ansible stuff. Oh, and you red hatter, you. I guess so. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's simple in the sense that it doesn't take a lot to get going. It, and it's we'll just work on just about everything. But it's YAML, so get your get your tabbing right, get your spacing yeah, right. That is a thing. Yep. So definitely <laughs> you want a, a lint tool probably or you know, maybe do it in uh Is that the stuff for your belly belly button? Yeah. The linting tool? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want any oh, lint oh, there, oh, right? Well, I know what that, okay, got yeah. it. <laughs> no, that's a tool that would, looks at your format, make sure it's it's going to be able to be parsed and uh, readable oh, by Sanity the checker. Sanity check, yeah. And it, got it. it. Points out the issues you have, potential issues. I've got a lot. I um, do have a lot I of issues. I should probably run a linter on my life. Yeah, uh, yeah that would clean things <laughs> up for sure. So- there's some tools in Ansible to kind of do some of those sanity check things as well. Um, so you just need to make sure you you do that. So I've been using Ansible to orchestrate, if you will, all of my, you know, containers and VMs and stuff and, and making sure updates get applied. Uh, and I can do all that from a central location, which is kind of cool. So what kind of what kind of automation are you doing on these on these VMs, right? Because Ansible is meant to be uh, is to make a VM uh, or really any anything uh, reproducible. So if it blows up, it's kind of like NixOS in that way. It where, is where you know you just you hook it back up, and then it's like, oh, these are the things I need to have. Well, down the list, here we go. Install this, remove this, configure this. Yep. Well, I haven't got too deep into it yet, but you can you can set up roles so that if you're looking to set up a machine with a role that's specific like that it'll it'll run through all of the 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 things and and set up machines that way i've kind of only i haven't gotten into the roles yet i've only been doing playbooks which they are a little more simplified in that i can you know so far um get get my machine state such that you know, then I can continue to do other Ansible things. So initially you would go in there and do all that as either root or you would supply a pseudo password, that sort of thing. And you can get your machine state set. And then after that, you can do all the Ansible things. But this, so Ansible 
knows about apt it knows about apk if you're right. doing alpine it knows about you know rpms and stuff because it has modules for those those are all written already for you and so it can it it really only needs a configuration of how you want you know the state of how you want things and then it can manipulate those different package managers there's other modules too so if you want to do firewalls and all of that stuff you just tell it what state you want and what thing you're using, if that's apt or UFW or whatever, and it will right. go do the right syntax for you without having to write all of that out into like a script. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you set up these playbooks to kind of get your, your state where you want it and it goes and does it. And then... You know, you sit back and you watch, watch the the reports come in and and see if it if it did all the things or if something failed, or if it just skipped that because it doesn't need to do that. Like all of that stuff, it's kind of great. Yeah, it's a good way to tell you which of your machines on the network needs to go have a whipping mm -hmm. uh, because it's wrong. But it, it'll bring them <laughs> back into conformance. Uh, like yeah. so, if you specify a list of packages that you always want to see on certain machines, like Proxmox uh, guest tools, yeah, right. That's probably a thing, right? And mm -hmm. so it can do that. It can see, oh yeah, you've got that installed already, or nope, that's not installed. Here we go, and make it happen. Make it happen, and it'll do it every time you run your playbook. It'll it'll check. So. Love it. Um, I, I, yeah. So I've gotten through, you know, making sure updates happen and making sure my users are all kind of set so that, it, you know, Ansible can do the things from the Ansible control machine and, you know, SSH keys are in place and all of that stuff. So it's, it's been, been a fun learning experience so far and, I, and I've really been enjoying it. And it's only just begun. Well, since you're listening, uh, or watching, if you're watching, um, make sure you go ahead and click the little, you know, that that thing on the on the video, right? A little thumbs up. Uh, go, yeah, I got a weird one. Look at that. Um, do the thumbs up. Uh, if you're on a podcast catcher, uh, make sure you, you know, give us a, a rating. I don't care what it is. Five stars on Yelp. Yeah, hey, exactly right. We have the best chili in the state. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, make sure to. Make sure to give us a rate on whatever, subscribe, do all that kind of thing. So obviously we're on YouTube. We're also on Tilvids. So if you're watching us there, make sure to do the same. And of course, if you like the show, if you want to keep hearing slash watching the show, uh, we have that thar Patreon where you can get cool early access stuff um, or just send us a buck for funsies. Yeah. Uh, either way. However you decide to support the show, whether that's a thumbs up or a dollar, uh, thank you very much. Dan, you're a maintainer, right? I, yeah, so they tell me. Um, I, I do help. <laughs> it's in the title, man. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah, so I do help uh, with the distribution, and it's one of the one of the official Ubuntu flavors. Uh, I haven't been doing a ton of stuff lately, but uh, yeah, I help out when I can. Very cool. Um, so something happened about a month ago that I think got a whole lot of playback then. Um, but what I didn't hear a whole lot about was this change. So uh, to quickly recap, uh, Ubuntu has requested and, mm, uh, you know, whatever, 
requested that all flavors not ship Flatpak installed by default. This has nothing to do with whether you can install Flatpak or not after the fact, but just that it's not installed by default. So what we didn't get a whole lot of was uh, a, a maintainer's point of view from all of that. So what do you think? Was this, was this a step in the right direction? Was it, was it absolutely, it's time to mutiny? What, what is the deal? So um, we did have a discussion about it together as flavors, you know, so the flavor leads and we, you know, we have, we have regular meetings where we get together with uh, some of the, you know, main Ubuntu and canonical folks, the flavors and their flavor leads. And we talked about it and some flavors were a little upset because they're, they were already shipping flat pack. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they didn't want to lose that. That that's a thing that they've already been providing. Um, some for a cycle or two, anyway, and um, so they've been giving you know their users that experience where it was already installed. So would um, so if I were to install one of the flavors that did have Flatpak installed by default, would I then also have to go ahead and install FlatHub if that's where I decided to get all my software from? You would. Yep. You okay. still got to install. Right. So, so it some- still wasn't. Yeah, no, it wasn't complete necessarily. It does save you a step. So when you install Flatpak, you generally have to reboot in order for your um, Flatpaks to show up like in the menu and stuff. That always annoyed me. (laughs) It does. It is a little bit of annoyance. Um, But I mean, if you install a new kernel, you got to reboot too. So Oh, totally understand. Uh, I'm annoyed when I have to reboot because of a kernel too. (laughs) That's fair. That is a fair thing. Uh, It just just can't, you know, restart all the things, you know, in the back end, right? For sure. So, you know, a reboot is kind of the best solution for that. Um, So you still had to do, well, you, you didn't have to do that bit. You could install the repo and then start installing software and then it would just show up and Life's great. But not all the flavors uh, included Flatpak. We're already, you know, going in inconsistent paths, if you will. And so mm-hmm. before I get into whether this was good or bad, it was a thing that we needed to come together in agreement on. Mm-hmm. As even though we're not necessarily all the same, we are all the same in, in a way, right? We're all Ubuntu. And then, you know, we give different experiences potentially based on mostly desktop environments, right? But sometimes mm-hmm. software selection can go along with that too. But ultimately, we do need to kind of be somewhat consistent. I feel like there's platform expectations is what what it's been sold to me as, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a platform expectation that, you know, you will, you will have these things and they will kind of work the same. It has Buntu in the name, regardless of whether you've, uh, it's like uh, uh, something Ubuntu or Ubuntu something, right? Exactly. It, it, it's all got the name. So there, there's, I think, an expectation of consistency, too, from the user perspective. It, 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 there should be, right? Um, I feel like. And so all of those things, I think, add up to you know a quality control or quality assurance sort of thing. And that's why you know, we, need to be, we need to be consistent. And going right along with that, uh, there's been a long-standing, maybe lightly documented, probably in the wiki somewhere, um, rule that 
you know, no third-party repositories or PPAs were to be installed by default. And I feel, oh. I feel like this choice falls in line with that. Um, because when you enable a PPA or, or something along those lines, um, you've strayed from the path a little bit and you, that wasn't, that's not, that shouldn't be there. It's something that Ubuntu or Canonical may not have control over, um, like they do either Snap or something that's in the archive, because ultimately core devs and, you know, canonical employees can step in if something gets out of line and, and, and make a, they, they can take control. And if something was like a security risk or, or whatnot, they could, they could make a change there on, on everyone's behalf. Mm-hmm. Whereas if something in Flathub goes wrong, yeah, sorry, got no control on that. Right. Right. And, and so I think it's only fair in a, in a way to be able to control your ecosystem the, to the best of your ability. That's, that's how quality can happen. So I guess you heard it. I, I don't disagree with this choice because it does allow for that high, high quality control potential opportunity anyway. Um, and some might argue that snaps kind of fall into the third party repo too, but, but I, at least the way they're installed in Ubuntu, it's, it's canonical controlled. It is, it is. Right. And most, well, while you can have snaps that, that you could probably see snaps that don't, um, that aren't canonical or Ubuntu snaps. Um, I don't know that anybody is. And ultimately, you know, that means they have control over them too. the, you know, the, the snaps themselves. Well, it's a good thing we're not going into whether or not the back end of Snap is uh, open source or not. Uh, <laughs> that's a conversation for a different day. It is for a different day. But if you're controlling what goes into that back end that you can't see, um, you know, the little black box, uh, mm-hmm. if you're controlling what goes into that, um, then you have a good chance of controlling what comes out of it, too. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, so while you don't disagree, um, and, and I've heard a lot of uh, agreeance with the uh, the way that that canonical in Ubuntu is going on this particular issue. Um, what I haven't heard uh, is my take. Uh, uh, yeah, this is true. I um, hesitant to say this. Uh, this is this is number two for the day. Um, <laughs> I'm hesitant to say that I don't think that Ubuntu and canonical went far enough. Uh, um, okay. So here's, here's the deal, right? The, our, my understanding of this is that, uh, it's about control, right? I mean, you make the distro, um, you, you, uh, enable the creation of sub distros, the flavors. Um, so you need to be able to control what goes in and out and, and the, the general experience of what's going on. Right. Um, so if Flatpak is not part of that experience, I don't think they're going far enough in just saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't have this in the flavors. I think that if someone were so inclined to add Flatpak to expand their software options on an Ubuntu system, I think 
in the terminal, because I don't think you can just go into the Ubuntu Software Center and say Flatpak and hit enter and it install it for you. I, I don't think the command line thingies show up, but let's say that they did. Um, I think that if you are installing Flatpak, you should be getting a warning that says, hey, Flatpak is not supported on an Ubuntu system. If you have any issues with Flatpak whatsoever, you need to go to the respective place mm -hmm. to file a bug report, to air a grievance, to complain, whatever you're going to do. Because I think the real catalyst for this was that people were installed, um, had in some flavors, had Flatpak installed, enabled Flathub, or installed Flatpak and then enabled Flathub, installed a Flatpak, you know, Discord uh, element, Telegram, what have you, doesn't matter, whatever the Flatpak was. And then when that Flatpak didn't work, they went to the Ubuntu forums and complained. Sure. And the warning I'm saying, the warning I'm advocating for inclusion in the command line is the same thing that anybody on the forum would immediately tell you about your issue. So instead of wasting someone's five seconds of copy-paste time yeah. because they've said it about eight million times and now it's eight million and one, just put it right in the operating system and say, don't come to us for support for this. We're not going to support you and we're gonna, just going to point you to somewhere else. Just have it be up front. Yeah. Be up front with your flat pack support. Well, it, 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 you know, you're not totally wrong with that because that's very <gasps> much akin. How dare you? To what <laughs> elementary does, though, right? Uh -huh. When you add Flat Hub, uh, you know, that particular repo, it gives you a warning similar to what you're saying and says, hey, uh, we see you're trying to add this thing. It's not our normal place to go grab your, your apps. Um, so if you encounter issues there, let them know, not us. <laughs> exactly. And they went a little far, actually, in, in a recent update. They, they had come back and said, maybe the language was a little they did, harsh. They did retract it a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but it was basically like, this is scary software. Right. And now it's more like, well, this is software that we don't support. Uh, so, right. so the language was softened a little bit, but I think that's where Ubuntu needs to go with this. Yeah. yeah. I think. They need to be up front with, uh, and, and set up user expectations rather than force them, if they care enough, right, to complain, mm -hmm. uh, force them after they've signed up for an Ubuntu account and logged onto the forum and then posted their problem to then tell them to go somewhere. Right. Just set that up at the beginning. Just straight that's, up that's tell them fair. and set up the expectation. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, elementary is a good uh, is a good example to go by. Got to set up the expectation. If that's really what you're aiming for, you might as well just cross the finish line with it. Ultimately, we did we did come to an agreement uh, with the thing, um, but that's my view as a maintainer, right? As a user, I don't know that uh, I'm still again not all that upset because I still have the flexibility. I can. Even if you put that warning up for me, I can still blaze past that and and continue to install all the flat packs I want from <laughs> exactly. Flathub, and and that's just fine. Because honestly, 
installing Flatpak support, installing the back end for the whatever package management, you know, uh, manager I have, whether that's Discover or, you know, the GNOME software or whatever. It's it's still relatively easy to get that stuff installed. And like I said, not every flavor had it. Um, so if you're running one of those flavors, you don't even know the difference. No. <laughs> and if you're running if you're running main Ubuntu, which is what the yeah, vast that, majority of people are doing, uh, pretty much nothing it, changed. Nothing changed there either. Nope, nope, that's all the same. Yeah. Um so I mean, like I said, I run a bunch of flat packs as a as a user. I do. I I I I did a I did a little uh, little thing here in the terminal, and I counted. counted <laughs> I them all. see this. Yeah, you. Did. I like it. So I did a little word count, and uh, you know, thirty nine flat packs I've got installed mm. on on this system right here that I'm using right now, which is Kubuntu. And and uh, for the record, uh, you're using it's Kubuntu. <gasps> Excuse me. Twenty twenty two oh four. Right. I am gonna tell on you. You can go ahead. That is. Oh, my God. I love my plasma. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> it's so nice. Anyway. If so, you don't have the blur in the terminal, I'm going to be really upset. I do you. have Good. blur. Yeah. Anyway. Good. Um. So I did a snap list, counted those. I've got eight, right? And so I, that sounds like a lot. Eight sounds like a lot. But you know what those are? Those are kind of like your base snaps. Um. Um. So you got... And and I will say I do have Pro enabled on this too because oh so. oh my you're into the proprietary land of Canonical how dare you I know so I have I have Ugh. Live Patch installed so that's one oh, that's okay so that's one of the snaps that makes it fine because I just complained about how how terrible it is at rebooting <laughs> after a kernel install I don't have to do that <laughs> your uptime must be glorious it's pretty great. <laughs> So there's a bear snap, the live patch snap, core snap, a core 20 snap, the gnome 338 snap, which is just theme theming, and then a, a common theme snap, and then snap date. I don't actually have any snaps. I have the live nice. patch snap and then a whole bunch of <laughs> base ones. <laughs> Wait a minute. You don't even have any snaps? I don't even have mm. I, I, Other than the live patch one, I don't really have anything that I'm using. What kind of overpaid canonical employee are you, man? I know, right? And so, yeah, 30, 39 uh, flat packs and eight snaps that I'm not really, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so. There you go. I'm not. I'm not a snap lover, but I can understand why they want it to be included. It is part of the ecosystem. They've devoted time and energy. It's the platform and lots of money a lot of money they've got developers working on this stuff it's the thing that they're promoting why wouldn't they want everyone to be on board with that it's use the thing it's it's kind of it i mean a lot of people complained when um they abandon the other things that they've abandoned and yet they want them to abandon this one too so there's killedbygoogle.com. Is there a killedbycanonical.com? Because if know, there's not, but there could be. There's a like big you, opportunity here. There's not a lot of things, but there's a few. Mir. Right? Mir. Well, Mir kind of exists. I guess Mir's not actually dead, right? No. Uh, I, and neither is Unity fully. It's not a canonical thing anymore, but. No, it's but not Unity's kind of dead, making a comeback. Dead. You're right. Yeah, but sure it's not canonical, is. right? Um, well, and, and, and uh, Unity is an official flavor as well as. 
Cinnamon. Yeah. Ooh, and and interesting. Ubuntu Touch. Um not really totally gone because you got U- Ubi ports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but all of those things, like they they kind of they put their effort elsewhere, right? Yeah. Um, killed but not dead. Is that the episode title? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe because all those Google things that they <laughs> killed, they're they're actually dead. They're not. They're like, dead. Dead. Go, you go to Google Plus. Try it. I dare you. The beautiful thing about <laughs> open source is you can't kill it. Well, catch these and other great topics as they unfold on the subreddits where all the magic happens. Um, Discord, uh, Mastodon, Telegram, Matrix, a uh, little bit of Twitch in the mix, or if you'd rather see live streams on YouTube, you got to let me know. You got to say, I haven't paid for the thing that's like stream to Facebook Live as well and all of that. So if you want to see it on one platform, there, there's just one because that's what I can afford. Uh, yeah. If you want to see it on one platform, you got to know, you got to let me know what that platform is. Currently, it's Twitch. And we do that uh, if we're if we're not on a uh, uh, unplanned break. Uh, that happens yeah. the day after episodes drop. So when you hear this episode, unless you're getting early access, um, tomorrow uh, is the day that we stream, which is a Tuesday. So release on Monday, stream on Tuesday. Um, we kind of debrief whatever's happening, whatever we talked about, and then we just talk about food. Uh, turns out yeah. it's a food live stream. <laughs> yep, most of the time. Yeah, sometimes we throw some other tech things in there too. Um, uh, of course. Yeah, because you know that's what we do. And I, I, I have a feeling there will be some Raspberry Pi goodness coming up uh, here pretty soon. Yeah, uh, and definitely. I might just talk about the blackout cake that I made. Uh, apparently, oh. a Brooklyn favorite. Oh, tastes good. Well, that sounds good. And of course, we got the Twitter as well. So, um, yeah, whatever you do. Um, make sure you're poking us on one of those platforms, Reddit and Discord. Those are the places where you're going to find the links to all the things that we talk about on these sure. topic shows. Go look it up. I dare you. Look it up. Everything we've talked about so far, it's been there. Now it's time to watch out. So we're going to watch out on on the browsers here for a little bit. And I think, All of them. I, th- I think we hit on just about every single one of them. Uh, um, every. It's, it's, it's uh, kind I'm... of amazing. Uh, a- Android, uh, the Firefox on the Android gets total cookie protection. And that's pretty awesome because total cookie protection is great. Yes. And if you've been complaining about how terrible Firefox is on Android, maybe it's time to check it out again. Uh, and it, you can add extensions too. And I will say uBlock Origin is one of them that you can add um, because I did that and it changed my life. It fixes the web, does it not? <laughs> it does. Oh, so, man. Like if, if, if you've ever seen a pop-up on mobile, like it opens up a whole uh, other tab and it really makes your life not cool. Pop-up and, and like those full screen things that just slide everywhere you, you, you try to move. And it's so if you can block those things, that's great. But Android has total cookie protection now, which means that when you go from site to site, no site can continue to track you after you have left their site, yep. which is fantastic. Ah, uh, man, I, I absolutely love total cookie protection. It is the best too. implementation of tracking protection that you could possibly get from any browser. Yeah, certainly built in. Certainly built in. 
Yes. And then you can go one step further in the in the Firefox settings and turn it uh turn the tracking protection onto strict mm-hmm. and it does even more. So if you're on Android, you're enjoying total cookie protection now, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So the other cool uh Firefox thing um that got announced is Firefox Relay got a Firefox extension that can autofill your email masks. Oh, okay. This is coming from Firefox Relay. And if you don't know what Firefox Relay is, um, crawl out from under your rock. Uh, Here's the deal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For free, I think you get a handful. I think you get like five Five, or ten or something like that. Yeah. Um, But uh, this is the service that whenever you sign up for something that you know the company is about to start spamming you Mm -hmm. and then they're going to sell your email address to Mm -hmm. about 12 other companies and then those companies will and on and on and on, right? Uh, You sign up with a MozMail account. So it's just a automatically generated email address at mozmail.com. You give them that email address and the moment. And you'll know who it's from, or or at least you'll know which company is responsible Mm -hmm. for selling all of your information um, because that is where uh, that that particular auto-generated email address is where all those emails are coming from. You just flip it off. You're just, or you could just delete it when you're done done with with that service. You can either (laughs) turn it off temporarily and all those emails just bounce. Well, that email doesn't exist. We don't know what you're talking about. Or you just delete the thing and uh, that that um, affects your five total yeah. accounts and gives you that one back you and you can back. generate a new one. Keep playing the game. It's fantastic. Indeed. So now there's an extension that just makes your life that much easier. Yeah. Uh, right in Firefox, just go at it really quickly from the extensions page and that's it. Yeah, just fills them in for you. If you pay the subscription, which I think is like a dollar a month. Yeah, it wasn't uh, very much. For, no, for, for unlimited. Yeah. Uh, you, just, you just keep churning through them. So absolutely fantastic. Uh, nice quality of life for yeah, e- Firefox. You already signed in, right? Email's a thing that's uh, heavily exploited. So yeah, why not clean that up for yourself? Well, I I sign in uh with my personal stuff, like not not Gmail or whatever where you got fifteen mm-hmm. gigs. Uh this is one that 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 I maintain myself. Uh I don't self host. I don't dare do that. Uh but uh it, it is it is my own. And um yeah, I don't want spam exactly. in there. So if I'm doing anything with that particular email address, you better believe it is a Mozmail account that I am using to sign up for anything right. because uh, even one kilobyte is too many kilobytes. So yeah. when, when they start abusing me, I just turn it off. So just announced today, Firefox will get some support for animated AV1 images, which is pretty cool. Yay. But that's not the, that's not the headline. That's not the headline. Mm-hmm. And they didn't lead with that. They missed the no, lead. No, buried the lead. <laughs> so in a surprise move, an official Debian Ubuntu package in deb format will be coming from Mozilla. What? Yeah, and you can download it right from their website. What? I know, isn't it great? So we and went here... through all the kerfuffle with the the snap thing and uh, is the flat pack official? Is it, it not official? Uh, yeah, Debian like <sighs> they, they haven't had the Firefox 
current version in a while. I feel like they they like they, they did ESR, and even that was running kind of behind. And oh yeah, and, and yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't a good situation. It wasn't good, and so now this this change of tune, um, Mozilla is going to be providing a deb. This is absolutely fantastic. Um, so a while ago, uh, and currently, uh, I'm maintaining a script that pulls down the tar GZ, um, splats it on top of the existing stuff, um, and it 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 kind of automatically keeps my Firefox up to date when I know there's uh, an update. Um, well, scrap all that. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to do that one anymore, huh? Just download the deb and put it all put it there. Yeah, you're good. So we we don't have an answer on uh, whether or not it's going to be kind of self updating. Yeah, we don't any, have all okay. the details. That's for sure. Here, here, here's what I want. I don't want the snap uh, to just kind of do its its weirdness in the background. Um, the, I don't want the flat pack to do the same thing, and I don't want to have to go through a full system update because I don't want to isolate Firefox. But you know, so you don't have to install Firefox. I, I don't want to do that. Um, but if the deb is self updating. Mm. I'm converted. Mm. I don't need mm. any other mm. package anything. Don't 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 even come at me with that. I don't want it. Do not. Let me install the deb. Let it be self-updating and I will I will just be a happy Firefox camper. I I, I even go as far as like the wave of Aldi or even Brave, you know, have you do it? Like they got they they add the the repo and all of that stuff so that it just adds it right into your sources, so you don't even eh. have to mess with it again. I'd even be okay, I'm okay with, that. with that. Yeah, but but uh, but again, my cross-platform performance parity requires. It's required. not the same. Par- You're right. It's not the same. And so in macOS, you can you can just you know help about, and then uh, and then it's like, oh, you got to update. Click it. Yep. Cool. Yep. Uh, Windows, same deal. Right. Uh, Linux. Well, hold on. How do you have it installed? Yeah. Is it a snap? Is it a flat pack? Is it a deb? Is it the tar GZ? No. I just I need it to be the same I, as the other platforms. I, I'll even go as far as say this, like even if you did that in, in like you open it up in Windows or whatever, and so you want to update it that way, that's fine. You don't even have to open it up though, if you didn't want to. You can still use like something like Winget and and update it that way. So I'd be okay True. if there was a mechanism to be able to do it without opening it up, like in apt, or I'd be okay if you could go into the thing and do it right from the GUI too. Mm. Either one kind of, I'd like to be able to do both. Like, why can't we have both? I oh, give me all the options. Cake and eat it, right? I, I guess we're getting greedy there. I guess we should be just happy that there's going to be a deb. Okay. Well, we'll know more in May. Yeah, when uh, when they actually release it, so they haven't tentatively, it yet. we're I getting suppose. all excited, and they haven't even released it yet. Some, I know, some, somewhere well, around the twelfth of May, we'll we'll know, but we're not there yet. Even the prospect of a self updating <sighs> Firefox in my Linux is is just tantalizing. So, uh, the twelfth of May of this year, uh, we will uh, be on break, so you know we won't be here to uh, comment in your ear about it. But uh, there might be a live stream around the time that that comes out, that's and uh, possible. maybe then, maybe that's how we do it. So, but again, you know, you YouTube, Twitch, how do you want it? You let me know. It's hard to top that, uh, so I don't think we will. Um, no. <laughs> so Edge is uh, doing some testing on a crypto wallet. Uh, some, somehow they missed that. Uh, you know, crypto is uh, a fad that's sort of passed, and. Uh, 
they they decided to add a since, add a since wallet into your browser because the browser seems 2008, like a great place. Yeah, I know it's right? almost dead. <laughs> so 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 adding adding a wallet to your browser seems like a great idea, right? So they decided- of course. Well, Brave did it. Now Edge mm-hmm. has got to do it. Every mm-hmm. everything any browser has ever done, I think Edge is just gonna just you know, throw it in. They might kitchen sinks. Edge is the the. So I said Vivaldi is the KDE of browsers. Edge is trying, man. They are really closing in on what you can do with a browser. Um, and they just figured, hey, why not throw some crypto in there? Because crypto, right? Yeah. So that's what's happening. So so uh, well, it's we'll it's, a, it's in beta. It it hasn't made it to stable. We don't know if it will make it to stable, but they're testing it. Yeah, yeah. I I will say um, that'll be just something we have to look to disable on our users at work. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, true, true. Well, don't be wasting your time on that. Get to yeah, work. Well, if any of the users uh, <laughs> out there want to send me some Doge, you could do that. Uh, but you know, uh, other than that, yeah, I guess yeah, disable it, disable it. But uh, there, there is one thing that Edge did mm-hmm. give to Stable, and that's Dolly. So if you've been following the whole AI image generation thing, you've probably heard of Dolly. You've probably heard of Midjourney. Um, eh, there's, there's some others out there sure. as well. But uh, Dolly is one of the big ones, and it's now baked right in to the browser. So in Edge. You bring up that little right-hand sidebar yep. thing over there where – kind of like, comes the up by default apps. unless you turn it off. Yeah, actually. I, I went to go look mm. and then realized that it wasn't there. And then it turns out there was an update in Windows that I didn't see and it just kind of happened. Yeah, it turned it uh, for Because you. Windows <laughs> likes to update like that. They're just like, hey, guess what? <laughs> we did it. Um, <laughs> and there it was. So little paintbrush thing. You click it. You have to have a Microsoft account, like be yep. logged into – your account into the browser and you could just start typing prompts and telling it, you know, show me a picture of Dan in his birthday suit uh, with the Linux user space logo on top. And boom, it did it folks. Um, I'm not going to put that on YouTube. That's going to not, no, please don't not, do that. That's not, not okay. Well, <laughs> but it did it. <laughs> How well I will not comment, but it did do something. And um, yeah, so Hey, you got you got uh, images uh, right in the browser that you can you can copy summon pasta. the images is what it amounts to. You kind of can, um, you know, AI image generation. Uh, we, I, I think Dan and I both have opinions on the AI stuff, but we're gonna save that. That's gonna be a, a something that we save for you um, for maybe season four. Yeah, I uh, mean, because we just don't have time. Look, look at the time. I mean, we just don't have time. It's an ever evolving thing, and I'm I'm. I don't know if it's settled down at all, so uh, we might we need to wait for it to do that a little bit, so we can catch catch it. Maybe we get that six month pause. Maybe we don't, but um, <laughs> we don't know the answer to that right now. Uh, so, in lieu of an answer, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Brave, uh, who has a crypto wallet built into the browser. They but already that, had you that. Know, that's they already had that. That's that's not new. Old news. Old news. Uh, but what they do have built into the browser now is. A VPN option. So speaking of browsers copying other browsers, uh, Firefox did this one. Yep. Um, Brave now has a VPN. So. Cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, I do like uh, I do like the prospect of having a VPN baked into the browser because um, I think 
regular folks that that kind of sort of know they want a VPN for the things that they're doing, um, but don't quite know how to go about finding a good one or, you know, dealing with anything, right? Uh, what does VPN even stand for, right, well, is a question that you have to answer. Because be, let's be real, uh, a VPN can break some of the things. Having it in some places and not in others can make sense. Yeah. You know, you want to break your regular applications, but you you might want to limit where your browsing goes. So this 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 really can help with that. I feel exactly. I think overall it's a good thing. Uh, following in the footsteps of Firefox, mm-hmm. um, I suppose more browsers are going to end up doing this I just think because so. it's yep. And so uh, good, good change, good change. That's not the only thing though. Uh, Brave or removed. The legacy Google sign-in cookies stuff, as well, right? And this is the like the old legacy Google sign-in with Google stuff, yeah. And it really just bolsters the Brave tracking protection yes. built right in. And well, we know uh, Google is probably the best at I... tracking you everywhere. Um, not not to be too terribly overshadowed by Facebook because <laughs> the tracking pixel, but uh, Google's really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is just removing one additional yep. way that Google uses to track you. You know, next to Firefox, I think Brave is probably the best one. Yeah, uh, as far as the the tracking protection, they they both um, are on the forefront of just hacking away. Yeah, at Everything that that wants to know everything about yeah. you. I'll see Vivaldi's right there, right behind him too. Oh, yes. Uh, I I don't know how distant a third. Yeah, I know that close. they do a lot of tracking protection themselves. They do. Um, very good stuff. Either way, Chrome and Chromium uh, will now unload uh, back background tabs now to save memory. This is something other, you know, browsers have been doing for a bit now. So other browsers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so way to catch up, I guess. This is I mean, mm-hmm. it was, that was one of the things that 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 that's been had for a while. But now uh, now they're catching up to this uh, idea of not not consuming all of your RAM potentially. Well, I mean, uh, Chrome and Chromium and all of uh, the ilk have had a really bad reputation. <laughs> yeah, they have. For just just eating all of your memory. Um, so it's nice to see that they are at least attempting to buck that trend and maybe get rid of that particular stereotype. Um, but I, I don't know. I I don't use a browser like someone that would use a browser that would need to unload the background. I I don't, if we're hitting double digits of, of browser tabs, I'm overwhelmed and I need to close something. (laughs) So the only time unloading a browser tab would help me is in startup time. Because I rebooted. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, outside of that, it doesn't really affect me too terribly much. But we did get a comment. Um, we talked about this a little bit. I, I think I mentioned it maybe uh, in one of the uh, uh, one of our chat areas or whatever. And we mm-hmm. did have some positive feedback on. Oh, it was in Reddit, actually. Um, we, <laughs> speaking of, these topics <laughs> show up in Reddit and Discord. Um it, On Reddit, uh, we did have somebody that came back and said, um, hey, I turned this off. Oh. Uh, because I suppose they use the browser the same way I do. I don't need them to unload. I don't use enough tabs to explode my RAM anyway. <laughs> but um, 
uh, which means that current sessions may or may not stay current. And I suppose this is why um, that person decided to turn them yeah, that's, off. That's fair. Yeah, if it's things right. that you want to be, you know, refreshing in the background or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just going to put those to sleep, and they won't do that. So you'll have to go hit the refresh button when you get there. Exactly. Well, usually when you switch to the tab, it'll kind of do that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, some of those Depends. JavaScript pages don't yeah. react to that. Mm-hmm. So a refresh might be necessary yeah. in those cases. Yeah. yeah. So that's fair. But if you got a bunch of tabs, uh, this is probably uh, probably kind of welcome. Yeah. 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 Not me, but yeah. <laughs> so Falcon, finally, finally, Gnome Web did it a little while ago, but Falcon finally enables hardware acceleration. Boom. Yes. This means that I think uh, both Gnome Web um, in 43, maybe 44, I can't remember. Um, But Gnome Web and Falcon are now at the point where they'll offload a lot of that crazy JavaScript and whatever Mm -hmm. rendering off to your GPU, which means that they might be browsers that you can consider using on a day-to-day for things as heavy as Reddit. Okay, not old Reddit. Old Reddit's fine. But new Reddit. Right. And YouTube, Tilvids, yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that might use your GPU to render something. This will take that load off your CPU, shove it to the GPU, which is way more efficient oh, for at sure. doing those types of operations, which means that your web browsing experience is much, much faster, which then means that you're not frustrated by a slow browsing experience. Yeah, and 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 all those browsers have been pretty performant for most of the other things, you know, because they're fairly, I'll say lightweight as far as browsers go. So adding this um, just enhances the performance quite a bit. And you're right, it might, I mean, it doesn't have some of the slick features that some of the other big browsers have, but... Uh, it does have a built-in ad blocker. <laughs> yeah, Falcon does have a big uh, ad blocker that's built in, and it and it works pretty good. And you can add other lists and stuff too, um, but you can't add like a bajillion extensions uh, like you can for some of the other yeah. big boys. But um, you know, it might be pretty great. It might be time to try that out and run with it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a free and open source one that just happens to not be Firefox, I guess. Um, and it's these cute. are your ones. It's it's cute. Not just cute, but it's cute. And so if you're running the plasma, it might might blend in nicely. A cute, cute browser. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the GNOME Web, finally, to round out Browser Watch, we've been watching GNOME Web just a little bit, and it's got a few tricks coming. Oh, uh, wait, wait. Well, we'll see. Okay, we wrote that before, uh, <laughs> but a few tricks that have come. They've already, they've already been in, out, yeah. Yeah, in uh, GNOME 44. And that includes better scrolling. Oh, oh, always, always got to have better scrolling. scrolling. This is just like, yeah. On a web browser. You I got to have, because all, all the pages are endless now. Like you scroll to the bottom and it's like, hey, guess what? New page. <laughs> so yeah, um, you got that. Smoother video playback for better YouTube performance. Uh, an update to GTK4 and an upgrade to WebGL2 for better compatibility across the web. So it's not having to do all kinds of weird rendering to get that page um, to look right. Or the page to look at all <laughs> that that has yeah. been a bit of a problem for falcon and gnome web yeah, uh, sometimes the pages just don't go 
Yeah. And that can be a deal breaker. That can be. So better compatibility means GNOME Web might be your next favorite browser. Hey, you can get all the links at linuxuserspace.show. And if you want to send us some feedback, which is coming up right after this, mm-hmm. you can email contact at linuxuserspace.show and we might read uh, your email on the show. So I'm going to guess the name okay. is Senor Araton. I don't know. Um, uh, there, there were no, <laughs> there were no like accents or, or tildes or anything. So I'm mm. it's a total guess. Um, so it could be Cenerariton. Uh, <laughs> no telling. But you, person on YouTube, uh, <laughs> you were talking to us about. Um, I made some comment, offhanded comment about um, just compiling the Gen two kernel from the very, very beginning. Yeah. Um, because why not opt for pain when you're going for Gentoo, right? So he writes, um, I don't know. I installed the distribution binary kernel when I installed Gentoo. It was more important for me to have a running system that I could refine than having a broken system that I have to refine. (laughs) Uh, You can always rebuild your kernel. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like uh, starting off with uh, a known good one, probably not a bad plan. Well, as I started it off, um, if I'm going Gen 2, I'm going full on pain. Okay. There's just, there's, there's no in between. There's no other point. What's the point of Gen 2? I, (laughs) no. (laughs) If I'm on Gen 2, I'm compiling the whole thing, man. Time is irrelevant. Uh, I might as well put myself in the hyperbaric time chamber, hyperbolic time. I can't remember anymore. Jump in the TARDIS. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. And make sure that um, everything in my system is uh, is compiled with the uh, O3 compiler option. Okay, we're hold getting on. to that have next. To wait for that one. Well, There's more next, feedback there. on that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We got it wrong. But hey. Whoopsie. Uh, I think that's kind of the, that's the name of the game on this show. Uh, we're going to get it wrong just so you can tell us how to be right. <laughs> Yeah, so John A. writes on Linux books. He says, uh, the book that changed my life and career was O'Reilly's Running Linux, first version. The nostalgia. Read anything and everything I can find. I, and I agree with that. Yeah, grab all the material you can possibly get your hands on or whatnot, um, because even the old stuff is still fairly pertinent. Yeah. That's the one. That's a good one. This this was this was the one. Um if you've never felt stupid, um, especially if you're going into Linux trying to do I don't know, like make money, right? Like be an admin of some mm-hmm. kind. Um this this is the book right here. Unix and Linux System Administration Handbook. In my case, it was the fourth edition. And it really makes you feel dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you flip open to any topic and you're already waist deep and lost if you don't have a background in that thing um but uh i i really got to say that 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 feeling was a good feeling overall right like the way that i say it doesn't sound like it's a good feeling but it really is um because uh there are unknown unknowns yeah you don't know what you don't know exactly and when that's the case you you can't grow you can't get bigger 
Um, you can't know more. Right. Um, but then they become known unknowns. And that's what this book did for me. It showed me that there was way more knowledge that I wasn't even aware of. Right. And from there, I could really start building upon that to learn more, to go deeper. And instead of being, uh, what, what do they call it? Like an inch deep and mm -hmm. a mile wide, right? You know a lot of surface level knowledge about stuff, but you don't really know a lot about anything. Right. Um, this is the book, just real quick. This is the book that, uh, that kind of took me from inch deep, mile wide to, okay, two inches deep and a mile wide. <laughs> we'll put it that way. But, you know, mile, mile deep, mile wide, right? Now you know, or at least you have a reference uh, to be able to, to know more. Yeah. And yeah, this was the one for me. So, John, thanks for, uh, for mentioning that one. I think I'm going to pick it up just for nostalgia's sake, as you mentioned. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this was the one. Made me feel real dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have mine in in my hand, but you can picture it, I suppose. But the one that was for me was just enough Unix. Uh, was the name ah, of the book? And, we talked about that. Yep. Yeah, and, and uh, that was one I got in college. Um, you know, before I was well, I was trying everything as far as mm -hmm. operating systems. But that was the one that you know, same sort of thing. It it gave me, you know, that surface level knowledge of things. It didn't get super deep into everything, um, but covered kind of a lot of the basics. And the the beauty behind it was like you said, it gave you a reference. So if you needed to refer to something, you could pull it out and say, Oh yeah, that's how that works. And then mm -hmm. um, you know, expand upon it, you know, further from there exactly after the 54th time mm -hmm. you no longer needed to refer to the book because now it won't leave yeah then you had it <laughs> then you had it yeah exactly so yeah i think everybody's got one of those and those 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 are good things oh yeah so bradley uh we were talking about the ubuntu ship it program during the ubuntu history episode uh so bradley uh, mentioned that um, when I was able to bulk order the discs, I tried to convert as many people as possible. I had a kiosk at my desk while I was on instructor duty teaching a course about hardware encryption. I had the fancy two-fold discs on my desk at a U.S. Navy installation. That's cool. Almost, almost same. Um, it wasn't an educational uh, environment, but I was a student at the time, and I was able to order these discs, and I got the 50-pack, and I felt bad about it until I was able to give away about 40 of them. Yeah, that's good. Right? And, and not just, here, take this and run away, you know, like a flyer style, but, um, hey, this is Linux. This is cool. You can do a lot of stuff with it. And they were like, okay, I'll try it out. Maybe five or 10 of them actually did. But if even one of them did, I feel like it was a successful uh, transaction. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, maybe, maybe that person, because I, I don't stay in touch with any of those people anymore, uh, right. but maybe one or more of those people are now advocates for Linux too. So maybe, maybe. Yeah, that was a cool program. And, and I know I, there was people that did the same stuff around the campus I work at. Too. It was so cool. And they were like I miss those. in the in the computer labs and in the in the in the dorms and stuff. They were they were handing them out and yeah, people were trying stuff out. Ubuntu was so cool back then. It's cool now, but it was a different kind of cool. Back it was then. yeah. Uh, uh, bonus, uh, Bradley, Leo, 
Make the switch to Proxmox. Dan is right. <sighs> so. Well, Dan's always right, but that's beside the point. Thank you, Bradley. <sighs> <laughs> I, I, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, I'm excited for it. I really just, I want to be on a Linux platform for my VMs. KVM is just, um, is, is my hypervisor of choice, but the ease that, uh, VMware gives is enticing. Mm -hmm. So Dan gave me some good things to try, uh, between now and next season. Um, so during that break, you better believe I'm going to be putting Proxbox through its paces. And, um, so the next topics episode, uh, Bradley, You'll know. You'll know what the outcome of the switch or not switch might be on that episode. There so you go. stay tuned, keep listening, and I'll have more for you next time. RL on uh, zero three? Not zero mark? three. <laughs> <So> he writes, <laughs> just FYI, uh, the compiler option is dash O three, not dash zero three. The O. And this is the question I did not know the answer to at the time. Stands for optimize. Uh, so it's a it's a more robust optimization of the compilation of a software. <laughs> uh, he goes on. Uh, I've never seen a difference between O2 and O3 in uh, my little micro benchmarks. But if you're chasing tenths of percentage points of performance improvements, I'm sure it can help. So... Yeah. Oh, huh. Turns out O stands for optimize. Uh, <laughs> well, RL, <laughs> thank you uh, for the correction because I really did not know um, and uh, obviously did not spend the time to figure out what the heck that meant. Nope. So thank you very much. Um, now I know. And when maybe we do Gen 2, maybe, I don't know when that may be, yeah. but maybe, maybe we do Gen 2 and. Uh, that option is going to come in handy. Yeah, we Maybe. have to figure out how many O's we go. Ah, uh, right, right. Is there an O4? O5? Uh, well, there's two and three, so. <laughs> well, there is two and there is three, so we will see. <laughs> All right, so we wanted to do a little uh, looking back on, on our season, season three. And so. We got, we got a pick of the picks. We got to pick our picks. Pick we we picks? picked these things for season three. This is the top of the picks. Yeah, we got to decide what was what was the best, what was the most fun, what did you like, how did the season go, and what do you what do you put up here, way up here? Because uh, I'm just curious. You know, I'm 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 gonna go. I'm gonna pick the community focus for me first because I usually kind of pick those, right? Okay, and so. Um, for me, the, one of my most favorite, uh, community focus things, uh, was Veronica Explains. Because, <gasps> mm, yeah, I, I don't know, that's just one of my favorites. I always, 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 uh, watch her videos and, um, I don't know. That's, I mean, I love them all. Like I, I obviously I love them all. I picked them, <laughs> <laughs> but that one was probably my favorite to pick. But when we picked that, I don't think she had done the, uh, I found a garbage iMac, mm. gutted it, and, and it's now a cool toy to play with. Yep. Yeah, th there really is just something about tinkering around with hardware like that that um, is just endlessly interesting yeah. for me. And, uh, and she's done some interesting uh, live streams uh, 
you know, mm-hmm. and some collabs with people, other people that we've recommended. Uh, Jay. Yeah, for, there's a lot of gold there. Yeah, Jay um, from, uh, you know, um, that place. <laughs> I know who you're talking about, right? Um, yeah. Jay LaCroix. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. <laughs> they're, they're great people, and uh, I love to see them work together, too. So that was pretty fun. Definitely. Okay, so um, so Veronica explains definitely S tier, mm-hmm. um, but I gotta go with the with the old and gold man, the Linux Saloon, okay. aka right. uh, Big Daddy Linux Live from way back in the day. Um, kind of where we started, huh? Yeah, kind of where we. Yeah, yeah, and so um, I I tend to at least recently I tend to lurk in the chat mm-hmm. uh, when yeah, they're same. when they're doing the live streams. Um, and just, I, I try to harass Nate as much as possible, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, because I think there's a lot of really interesting topics that come up in, in the saloon, mm-hmm. um, and that, that I'm actually pretty personally passionate about that don't really make it to the show or anything. Um, but something that I got a whole lot to say on and, uh, yeah, and I do like, uh, I type up a storm in the chat and, uh, and sometimes Nate Senpai notices me. <laughs> and, and and highlights my, my whatever I said in chat. Hopefully it's not too stupid. Um and then and then the I think the, the overall kind of conversation kind of sways that way. Yeah. And that's kind of really rewarding. But also uh, I just like to hear his and, and the panel's kind of opinion on on a lot of stuff. Because my favorite thing about that show is that the that the opinions are so varied. Like I could go in there and say the opinion about Ubuntu didn't go far enough on the flat pack decision yeah. and they should go further. Right. Um, and there might be one or two uh, people that agree with me, but there's also going to be the absolute yeah. staunch, absolutely not, that was too far. Uh, I can't believe they have done this opinion yeah, in yeah. there as well. And it it somehow, somehow the conversation remains civil every single time. So it's a, it's a super chill, relaxed, even though there's a huge breadth of opinion, yeah. Um, somehow, somehow, it's just a real nice conversation every single time. I agree. That's good stuff. All right. So now I got to know your app. What was your favorite app of the season? Um. Well, I mean, it's probably coming no surprise. Um, gonna go CrowdSec. Uh, cause <gasps> like. <laughs> I know. Okay, wait, no, that wasn't a surprise at all. No, no I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a it's a beautiful tinker toy, is it not? It is. It's super nice to watch the 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 graphs and stuff and see the different things that it's blocking and what it's what it's hitting on. And we've got a uh, not super busy website, but busy enough that we see a lot of that stuff roll through and uh Yeah. I, I don't know. I like I love I love watching that stuff and I love knowing that we're, we're getting some protection out of the, you know, community project. Like everyone contributes to that, whether you're trying or not. Now, ultimately it makes all the web better. Ah, exactly. So if I had to pick, we had Amberall, which was great. Looked good. We had Thunderbird. I mean, we use it all the time. Uh, we had cider, which, uh, it, it, it sounds really good. Um, we had GIMP, which, uh, absolutely is the reason why we have thumbnails in the first place. Uh, we have warp to shoot files back and forth. We had pass to keep ourselves secure. Um, we had gnome web and tangram, uh, to surf the web with, 
But uh, and what what was what was episode three seventeen? We had Clam AV. Clam AV. Oh oh, obviously obviously. Right. Keep keep your files good. Right, and and keep other people protected from you know creepy crawlies that you may not be affected by, but they might. Yeah. But nothing rose to the level of, uh, and it seems so simple now, but of trash CLI. So just to recap, trash CLI is a trash bin for your command line. It is RM, but safer. And if you delete files on the regular, on the command line, uh, you have definitely trashed the wrong file. And when I say trashed, I mean it's gone it's, because it's, RM it's out of there. Yeah. makes it gone. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so trash CLI is there. You type in, instead of RM, you type in trash. Mm-hmm. And everything else is the same. Yep. You trash that file. And... If you need to, you can bring that file back. And I suggested, uh, I had a conversation on it recently on Mastodon um, because I posted about it uh, maybe like last week. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to do a bit more long form, more informative of what Trash CLI can do and all that uh, a little later on. So by the time you hear this, it might be out or, you know, keep an ear out for it. But um, uh, that you should throw stuff in the trash and if you feel real confident about the work that you've done that day or whatever maybe put a logout script yeah um in your session that just empties the trash sure right because you know maybe you are super confident that well, ain't me because i am very bad yeah or <laughs> like it's got uh, built-in features to be able to that set up to to you know delete it on a 7 day or 5 day or whatever you want to you want to set that to right? you can do that that, that's, that's probably that's the better way to do it. I mean, so eventually it just kind of cleans itself anyway. But like, you got a little bit of time to be able to get your stuff back. Exactly, and that's how you should do it, really, honestly. But I mean, you know, if you're confident, yeah, yeah, I'm not that confident. Yeah, me either. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, trash CLI. Yeah, it's a good tool. So, last thing, what Dan was your favorite distro of the season? Uh, really, really have enjoyed just about everything that we did. I'm actually still, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say I'm still running Ubuntu 2204 on mm. my laptop. I put a bunch of other things on there too, um, but still have that. Um, and I still have Gecko around in, in a place too, but, uh, I'm going to say CentOS, the CentOS episode mm. and CentOS has a place in my heart because I was, you know, I've been been there early in my career. Um, I think we all were. <laughs> yeah. No, like, so I feel like that one is the one because I enjoyed a lot of the time that we spent with Carl going over the mm-hmm. history of things and having that interaction with him was fantastic. I can't tell you how great that was, really. Um, so uh, the CentOS, CentOS is the, is the one. Yeah. Uh for me it's it's a it's a it's a real close one. Um but that it would be it would be Slackware lit wait a, no no that was last season. Okay. Oh right. Uh, <laughs> nice so try. let me let me rethink it. <laughs> Hang on. I had a shirt made and everything. I had to uh, okay. So it would it it really does have to be endless. It has to right. be the most recent okay. Okay. OS episode that we did. Just simply because um we had Cassidy on the show. Yeah. We were able to get way more in depth 
mm-hmm. with uh, Endless than we normally would have. And, you know, I, I think it was, there were things about Endless that we didn't even know. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. On a day-to-day, that's right? True. Because we're not the target audience. We're not. Uh, but they got a great mission. They've got a fantastic mission. And, and they're delivering it to some people that don't really have another opportunity for other operating systems. Yep. And behind the scenes, this is, this is the favorite fact yeah. about Endless and the team yep. more than the name uh, behind Endless is that the improvements, a lot of the improvements and the, the progression of the GNOME desktop environment are headed up or at least facilitated by Endless. There's so many of the people yeah. at Endless on the board and working on GNOME that, that most people don't see. Yeah. So the improvements, the things that have come back to GNOME that, that, were, that were taken out for one reason or another um, are, are almost always, let's just say sometimes, because of the folks over at Endless. Yeah, so that's, that's um, true. If you're using GNOME, there is a 96.3 repeating percent <laughs> chance that you are enjoying a feature created or modified or just somehow made better by someone over at Endless. And, and additionally ah. to that, like you see a lot of work being done on Flatpak and, and oh, those yes. things too. Because obviously very heavily used in endless OS. Um, we can't really do an OS tree without some way to get software, right? Yep. And so by proxy, they're they're contributing a lot in that direction as well. So that just means everyone is benefiting from those contributions. Endless is one of those sleeper yeah, groups, that's true. companies, that's really true. whatever, that just make your life better behind the scenes. And a lot of times we just forget. To, to at least say thanks. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the the entirety of, of the GNOME team, but I, I think because we're talking about a distro, yeah. thanks to Endless for a lot of the work, all the work that they've done um, to make everybody's lives better. It's really great. It's it really is, great. It is great. And they do a lot of that. Anyway, I had a really great time every episode, the whole entire season, all the research, all the community focus all the app focus it, it's been a great season and hey we got one more episode this season we got one more episode That's right we're gonna talk about raspberry pi os but before we do any of that stuff we got some more of this show we got one more community focus we do so hope you're focused on the community because we are and focus. because we're doing raspberry pi i thought it was only prudent to 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 pick this one, so we're gonna go with the Gearling <laughs> of, guy. Of course you did. Of course you we're did. Gonna go with Gearling. <laughs> um, so Jeff Gearling has uh, YouTube and GitHub, but um, he is really into the pie stuff, and amongst other things too. But he's done some really crazy things, um, kind of testing the limits of how far can you go with your pie. And doing things with the compute modules and all of that stuff. And without testing those limits, um, people probably wouldn't know really what, what, what's, what's available to you. Did you know that you can run a petabyte of storage, a 
pet the p pb Pe- petabyte petabyte <laughs> of storage off of a raspberry pi i didn't uh um, until i watched the video by, it's awesome by jeff gearling yep. what yep yep insanity insanity so he does all kinds of other crazy stuff too. He's he's turned them into routers. Um, you wouldn't think that you'd want to use that for your home router, and yeah. you know it's not the most performant. But can you do it? Well, sure, yeah. and it will work. You sure can. <laughs> yeah. So if if you've ever had a question about would a Raspberry Pi be good for, there's a good chance he's already done yeah, that Jeff's video. Done that. He's yep. probably already done it. <laughs> So, so definitely go check out Gearling Guy because um, he's probably already done it. Yep. Okay, I'm going to try to be fast on this one, but there's a recurring theme in this episode uh, about cross-platform compatibility and uh, performance uh, across uh, the platforms, right? I've had this issue where uh, I have all of the platforms. I have Windows, Mac, and Linux in my life, not uh, used in that order, but that's just how they came out. Uh, And I have swapped over maybe a couple of years ago now to not using Samba at all um, to to share files across the network. But I have a lot of situations where I need to share files in between machines. And there's no common protocol besides Samba that Windows and Mac and Linux can use, but I don't want to use Samba, so I don't. Mm -hmm. And in lieu of that, I use SSH because it's just inherent to Linux. Why wouldn't I use that? And uh, the the file transfer protocol of that is SFTP, the SSH file transfer protocol, or secure secure file transfer protocol. Um, And that uses SSH, right? Um, And Windows can use SSH. Mac can use SSH. Linux obviously can use SSH. Sure. So there's got to be some protocol or some software that I can use to make that work. Well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so in Windows, I just use WinSCP. Uh, that has been my go-to because admins that I have learned from yeah. had used WinSCP. It's really popular. I, for good reason. It is good at what it does. Exactly. And it works on Windows, which is what almost everybody uses so it's what i've used for years and years and years um but now that i'm trying to integrate mac into the workflow uh win it's not mac scp nope. Nope. nope so there's got to be something and i tried uh there was another option out there called Cyberduck. yeah that's a funny name but yeah i mean yeah right people make fun of like K this and K Cyberduck. What does Cyberduck do? Apparently it transfers files. Okay. Anyway. So I got Cyberduck um and and I need to use uh SFTP because we are now using sync thing on a yep. pie. Yeah, mm-hmm. a pie episode. Um and uh I need I need as as good a performance as a Pi 2 can possibly give me, which apparently is about nine megabytes per second. Megabytes. Yeah. Right. Nine which times is still eight pretty good. is the megabits. So yeah. right. It, yeah, it is. It is pretty good. It's about a eh, hundred megabits per second, right? So um overhead, blah blah blah. Just just pretend it's a hundred megabits per second. So if I use SFTP by itself, just the protocol, 
I can squeeze nine megabytes per second out of it. Cyberduck, for some reason, only gave me 2.5 megabytes per second. Oof, that's terrible. I don't even understand it. And this is from a Pi, right? So from other machines that have way more CPU power and can do that encryption on the fly, way better results. We're looking more like 10 times that. We're looking at like 90 megabytes per second, right? So with the overhead, not bad, not bad at all. No. But this is a Pi 2. It doesn't have that kind of power. It does not. So so 9 megabytes per second is my benchmark because that's what SFTP can do. Cyberduck 2.5, trash. I can't use this. No, because I'm 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 talking. I'm I'm transferring a couple hundred megabyte files at the very yeah, least. Yeah, yeah, these are big. Yeah, Dan, your video files are like five five gigs. My video files are like eight gigs. That ain't gonna cut it unless I'm trying to do that overnight. Right. So no. Uh, so Cyberduck out the window. We're out of here. When SCP was getting me like seven and a half megs, megabytes, megabytes per second, and that That's was very good. good. Yeah. Um, uh, so the first thing I ran into was, okay, maybe, maybe I just need to stay on the command line. And the only, um, SFTP software app thing, terminal, whatever thing that I could use that I could find on all the platforms was term SCP. And on Mac got me six megabytes per second on windows about the same. Guess what? You can use it in Linux too. So it's another double header, by the way. Mm-hmm. So Term SCP is the first app I want to throw at you. If you've ever used Midnight Commander yep. or any Certainly. dual pane mm-hmm. uh, file draggy type thing, yep. you know what I'm talking about, but it's only in the command line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're arrowing around, kind of, you know, typing to search and things like that um, and using quick commands to get around. Uh, Term SCP is a fantastic solution for uh, what 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 is what is uh, text UI? There yeah, we go. T- text UI based uh solutions for chucking files across a network using SFTP. Cool, absolutely fantastic. Easy to bookmark, easy to get into. You can save your passwords. Uh, it remembers. You can have it remember where you uh where you left off. Um, or you can just have it log into the same directory every single time you log in. Nice. Term SCP, absolutely fantastic. In Windows, you can get it over Choco or Chocolatey. Mm-hmm. In uh, Mac, you can get it over Brew. And in uh, Linux, it's in the AUR, or there are packages on the website that you can grab. Sure. But again, it fit the bill. Cross-platform, performant the same on every platform. That's good that stuff. That was really what I was after. And yeah, that's good stuff. So it was fantastic. Um, now. For the GUI. Because sometimes, sometimes I don't want to do that. Sometimes I just want to. Yeah, that's fair. I just want to drag and drop. Man, I got one file, blah, blah, done, and then log out and then be done with it. Sometimes I just want it to be easy. The only solution that is both cross-platform and performant was FileZilla. Nice. Now, FileZilla. It's a oldie but goldie, man. I've used it before, for sure. Yep, I used it around 2008-ish when I was moving files between uh, my Windows desktop at work to an OpenSUSE DNS server. That makes sense. Yeah, back when OpenSUSE was owned by Novell. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So anyhow, cool. uh, but I had forgotten about it. I mean, what is it? What is it now? It's 2023. That's years yeah, many. later. Uh, so I found it in a in a search after looking up term SCP, found FileZilla. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. And realized very quickly it's cross-platform and it's performant. Man, it sure beats the heck out of typing in SFTP, Leo at hostname, colon, slash, file path slash, file path slash, space, file path slash, file path. Yeah, uh, right. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm click, not trying click, to do that. And go to lunch. Exactly. So, term SCP, for some reason, still wasn't as performant as regular SFTP. I was able to get six megabytes per second out of it. Um, FileZilla, though, somehow, eight. The fastest of all the GUI options wow, that I cool. found, and almost to SFTP command line speeds. So that's pretty good. The verdict: FileZilla on the GUI. Nice. If you want to just drag and drop, FileZilla. If you're more of a command line hero, it's Term SCP for you. Especially if uh, in both of those, especially if you're on different platforms, doing different things on different operating systems. Those three are going to work everywhere. Matter of fact, Term SCP, FreeBSD. Pretty sure Oh yeah, I, FileZilla would probably work in FreeBSD too. If it's not, it's probably in ports anyway. Yeah. So you get your hands on it either way. So that's cool. That's good advice. Like I know, you know, being able to see both panes, having that visual confirmation of where your things are when and, and where you are, it's pretty important because obviously you could just splat some commands into the, the you know, terminal there and hope for the best because, oh. like, you don't get any feedback because it just does whatever you tell it to do. Yeah, and well, it gives you, you a speed. Yeah, it does. And yeah. hopefully you did that yeah. right. But, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, having that visual, I mean, we're visual people. We have, you know, yeah. so having that is and having that feedback is pretty good. All right. So this has been maybe a little longer than normal episode, but uh, hopefully good for you. Does? Well, that was extra time. We had we had to we, we had to did. scrunch in more. We did have to scrunch in more, <laughs> and uh, and hopefully you've you've made it to the end here with us. And this is where we talk about next time. Next time we're going to talk about the history of Raspberry Pi OS. And <gasps> good one. Wow, it's it's a it's a deep one. And, uh, you know, a few thoughts on that and what we've been doing with it and, uh, you know, where they've been and how they got there. And it'll, it'll be good, I think. It's the season finale. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. It's set up for the next season, maybe, if we do that. Mm, surprises in store, I promise. Anyway, in between shows, you can catch us on Twitter, Mastodon, Telegram, Matrix, Discord, whatever. Give us your suggestions on our subreddit. Uh, join the conversation, talk to us, give us more ideas. All the links and show notes on linuxuserspace.show. And, Leo, where can we find you? Well, you can always find me over on the old tweeters at Leo Chavez and at Leo Chavez at mastodon.social. And you can find me at Casey2BZ on Twitter and at KC2BZ at Mastodon.social. Join us in two weeks, hopefully, when we return to the Linux user space. Bye now.
absolutely. I had a good time. It's been too long, man. I'm has. so glad we're we're back in the seats. I am. Yeah. Um, only only to not be back in the seats after the next episode. <laughs> well, you know, gotta get hey, there first. That's right. That's right. And then we gotta figure out uh, what kind of break it's gonna be, how long we want it to be, what when we're gonna come back, and what we're gonna talk about. Okay, now take that back. We we I think we already know. We are we already know the distro that we're gonna talk about. Which one? Debian? Do, do Debian? Gentoo? Yeah, that's the one. Gotta do Gentoo. You wanna do that one? I mean I wanna do that one. I do too. It's it's one of the oldie but goodies, man. I mean, as far as difficulty goes, it's it I feel like they're on par. They they came up. I, th- I think we gotta follow it up with Debian at some point. 